It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Introducing the Dynasty DGENs podcast. Hello, and welcome to Dynasty DGENs podcast. This is actually our first episode. Um, we are very, very excited. Loving that intro um, made by Maddie, Maddie Big Chest, um, a buddy of ours in our Discord. Um, just a, a little backstory about our pod and what we plan on doing here. Um, it's going to be kind of a a collective pod we are going to be covering everything from redraft to debbie and everything in between um, we do plan on having numerous guests on um, aiming to have a guest every night um, and then just essentially picking their brain and um, you know going into their specifics and what they are best at and their their i guess their their realm of specialties if you will um but we are excited to do this tonight. We plan on doing a mock draft and with the, the NFL draft just um, wrapping up. I know everyone's in their, their rookie drafts right now and they're trying to figure out, you know, the best values, the, you know, people that are sliding or haven't really caught up to their ADPs currently. Um, so we're really excited to get into that. Um, but without further ado, I am going to introduce my buddy that – I have built a great relationship with. We have really kind of blossomed a little bit after our introduction. Um, you know, our our first interaction was in a football guy's mock drafts, and this guy took um, Burrow over Justin Herbert. And this was, you know, peak off season last year. And uh, I did not like that. I did not think it was a, the smartest move. And little did I know Justin Herbert was going to have his worst statistical. Um, career fantasy wise and Burrow on the other hand um, you know just boomed and I felt kind of silly but um, I am glad that we we built a beautiful relationship and um, this is this is my buddy JC JC Dynasty how you doing brother good nerd glad to be here gonna have a lot of fun on this podcast hopefully talk to some interesting people and get some different perspectives other than yours or mine or in the discord or and our usual friend group got to break outside of who it is we speak to on a day-to-day -day basis and hopefully get our minds changed like we did in that in that mock draft uh, for football guys a little while ago. Uh, jury's still out. We have no idea if uh, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow is going to have the, the better career. Justin Herbert just got himself a brand-new weapon that we might see get taken in the first round of this rookie mock draft that we're going to have in a couple of minutes here. But I'm excited. It's a, it's a new chapter for you and I, and – I'm excited to control the narrative and steer episodes in a specific direction um, and just learn from other people in this space outside of outside of you and I and in our typical friend group. Yeah, this is kind of new for both of us as far as, you know, being in charge of a podcast. We've been guests or co-hosts many times on various podcasts, but this is the first time that we really get to use our content and and like JC said, just drive um, the direction that we plan on going. Um, 
you know, this is, this is going to be fun and exciting. And I think we were both ready for this. JC was a free agent at the time. And I said, I gotta, I gotta grab this guy up and, um, you know, <laughs> make, make some contact with them. Um, because I think we vibe really well and, and we are very excited to start doing this. Let's see if we can kind of get this mock going and get this moving so we can, um, really just break it down for you guys. Yeah, we're full. We're all the way full. We got some we got some regulars in here. We got uh we got Brian Ford, we got Dynasty Scardy, we got our buddy Vince that does all the graphics for for Nerd. They they go they go way back. They're good friends. Uh Slowmo 94, uh Tim Riley, Jay Stein in Du Bois, Kevin Coleman from Football Guys. So this should be an interesting mock draft. Um maybe some outside outside perspective and yeah. Maybe a little bit of group think from from the Discord chat as well. We'll see if we can maybe spice some things up here. You you're drafting at the 105. I got the 105. The yep. You know, and the 105 is a topic of conversation uh, among Dynasty Twitter right now. Who exactly are we targeting at the 105? So this will be interesting to see where you go here. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely been the main question that I get usually in the Discord is when they get to 105. Usually looking at possibly an elite quarterback still um jsn or gibbs so it's really difficult for most people to gauge you know i think pre-draft everyone was jsn over gibbs for the most part um, and nobody really even thought about taking either one of those over any of the three top quarterbacks um, that was never a conversation but i think it is now and jc and i have been talking about that a little bit and he kind of opened my eyes to the fact that if you are in a win now situation, there's a good chance that those two guys between Gibbs and JSN could possibly have more value than one of those quarterbacks or even two of them at this point. Um, because as we see, you know, super flex leagues, these quarterbacks don't really hit the ground running right away. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, reverting back a little bit and they do slip in value, um, ADP wise the next year before they climb back up again. Um, so there's a good chance that Gibbs and, and JSN might actually go before these quarterbacks and startups next year. I don't know how you, it, you feel about that, but I think that's, that's definitely possible. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. And if you look at what happened after Trevor Lawrence's rookie year with Jacksonville on the abject failure that that team was under Urban Meyer for his first year as head coach, you saw Trevor Lawrence definitively lose value as a, as a franchise cornerstone dynasty asset you're able to get him sometimes in the third round of super flex drafts um you obviously can't get him there now his value is his, his value is, has since risen but that's kind of the scenario that a lot of these young quarterbacks that are high draft picks fall into they're typically with bad rosters more than likely maybe brand new coaching staffs or um, just failed front offices in general because they've gotten to the point to where they're being they're able to pick in the draft as highly for a specific reason. So, yeah, I I, I have a difficult time passing on a guy um, like Jameer Gibbs at 104, um, potentially even 103 because you're talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud going to teams that they're not very good. So yeah, they exactly. Have, yeah, they don't have the rushing upside of an Anthony Richardson. So who's the safer asset long-term A running back that's drafted in the top 15, which over the last decade has been 
uh, relative 100% success rate that they are always a dynasty factor or a fantasy football factor in general. And sure. a lot of these guys may take a little, a little time to develop. So it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. That's the thing, you know, um, when fields and, um, I guess that tier of quarterback came out, um, T law specifically, you could probably take a Najee Harris at the time and trade for T law in a first at that point. You know, I think that was definitely a possibility, um, towards the end of that season where Najee was a first round, um, draft pick and, and startups. And then we're, we were seeing, um, T law looking at a fourth to fifth round startup pick. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities to trade Najee for, you know, as a first, a, a first for a fifth and a, and a first, you know, um, and you could have made out like a bandit. Um, so that could be the possibility we're looking at with Gibbs where you could probably trade him for, you know, young or Stroud for a first before that window kind of closes up a little bit on those running backs. Because as we talked about um, in previous pods, those running backs don't hold that value like quarterbacks do. You know, you're looking at a, a two to three year window of elite production as opposed to, you know, a seven to 10 possibly with a with a quarterback. So um, it is a smart thing to do if you're if you're looking to you know get value and then get the most production this year. Um, but I'm going to get the discord going and we're going to get this this mock draft started. We can, you know, talk about maybe who's going to take who and if they're um, listening to us. Sounds good. All right. Just giving everyone a little bit of time to get up in here. And all right, I think we're good. Yeah. So no is 101. Probably no surprises at 101, I assume. Whoa. All right. Anthony, Anthony Richardson, 101. All right. Spoke too soon. Are we going to get a troll um, mock draft right now? Or, I, don't, I mean, hey, I don't, honestly. I don't. We're going to get into that. Taking Anthony Richardson 101 is probably not the worst idea. I think we got somebody that's really thrown off by that pick. All right. Already sent into tilt. Yeah, he was was thinking about that a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, there goes Bijan 102. All right, and then there's there's the strategy. That's why I took the 102. I wanted Anthony Richardson. Understandable. I don't think you could ever get tired of clicking the draft button for Bijan Robinson, though, no? No. All right, so we just had – Bryce go 103 and then Gibbs 104. Yeah. Um, so I have the decision to make, do I want JSN or Stroud? And I think I'm going to go Stroud there, you know? Yep. Um, the dilemma for me is usually Stroud or Gibbs at that point. You, at least the mocks that, not even the mocks, the, the actual rookie drafts that I've been doing lately. Um, that's the the 
situation that I've seen at the, the 104, 105 area. Um, so we got JSN at 106 by Vince. Slomo went QJ. So Quentin Johnston before Addison, which Addison went 108 with Tim. Yep. And before before the, the NFL draft occurred and we didn't know what landing spots were going to be and what draft capital was going to be, I had JSN over Jameer Gibbs in my in my my pre-draft rookie rankings leading up to up to the NFL draft. But when historical draft capital occurs, uh, you know, you would be an idiot not to not to readjust. Um, and yeah. it's okay to be wrong. You know, not everybody is going to be correct 100 percent of the time. It's not possible, especially in an industry where you're trying to predict the future. So we were, I was surprised. I think most of the NFL community was surprised that Jameer Gibbs was taken 12th overall. Um, yes. A lot yeah. of fantasy Bl- owners I'm sure were very thrilled. Blown away by that. You know, it was, um, I, I did see the lions, but I also saw the lions going a little later there. Even, even in the first, it was kind of surprising, but that top 15 pick is, you know, it's, yeah, it's serious. It's serious. Capital. Can't deny that. After right. Addison at the 108, Zay Flowers went 109. Devon A. Chain went 110. Dalton Kincaid at 111, and I had the 112 in this in this mock, and I took Michael Mayer to round it out in a in a tight end premium draft. Yeah, and then someone that I'd like to touch on a little bit is Jonathan Mingo going at the 201. Um, somebody that I actually saw going the 111 today a couple times. Um, you know, people are very much in on Mingo in that situation of possibly being the, the wide receiver one of that team. Um, I am not so much in on that ADP wise. Um, I would like to take him maybe at the late second, early third. Um, I am definitely not going, you know, late first, early second. That's a little too rich for my blood. Um, I don't know how you feel about him, but he was definitely a guy that I watched the tape of and I have some concerns about him personally. Um, You know, not to say that I don't think he's talented, but he does have some, um, you know, he doesn't really catch with his hands too often for me. His footwork is a little left, you know, there's some work there for sure. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about Mingo? Uh, Yeah, I definitely can't. I definitely can't get behind him. 111, 112, 201, 202. Right now in my personal rankings, I think I have him 212 overall. So yep. I just think I'm never I'm never going to have any Jonathan Mingo on my on my rosters. And and that's okay. That's okay with me. I, I was not very high on him in the pre-draft process. I saw somebody say that Scott Fitter was on the Seahawks staff at the time where they took DK Metcalf from Ole Miss for their receiver room. So they think there's a correlation there. I don't necessarily know if just because the guy wore the same uniform in college that you could compare them uh, skill set wise. Yeah, that's another topic. People do that. There's a lot of of that in the industry, though. You know, like if somebody's wearing a TCU uniform, that's Quinn Johnson was was constantly comp to um, Rieger. That I, I saw that over and over and over again. Um, so there's that you know, that connection of uniform and people just automatically make that comparison. Yeah. Um, ver- verbal meme, uh, Quentin Johnston, handshake emoji, Jalen Rager. Yeah. What TCU wide receiver drafted 21st overall. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's content right there, baby. 
pumping it. Well, let's catch up on some picks right now. So after Mingo at 201, we had Tank Bigsby. This is a surprising little tier right here um, for me. So Tank before Charbonnet um, and Kendra Miller. So that's Sharb at 203, Kendra Miller at 204. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of break down our rankings in that range because I think a lot of people are having trouble figuring out, you know, what they're – the running back one of that tier is between um, Sharp, Kendra, Tajay, um, and even a chain kind of fits into that that little bucket right there for a lot of people. We all know where you stand, JC, as far as the chain goes. You know yeah. that's not the yeah. tier that we're talking about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That. So that 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 uh that end of the round finished up with. We had Will Levis at 207, Hedden Hooker at 208, Marvin Mims 209, Rasheed Rice 210, Jalen Hyatt 211, and I was stuck between Sam Laporta and Roshan Johnson at 212. I'd already taken Michael Mayer, but I have Laporta higher in my personal rankings than Johnson, so I went Laporta. So now I have two. I have two tight ends back to back, which is not ideal necessarily for a rookie draft. Um, probably would have traded out of it if if I if I was there, but. Just yeah, yeah, Laporta at two twelve is great. I I almost went Laporta over uh, Mayer in my personal rankings. It was very very close to me, and those are kind of like a two A two B, um, you know, player rankings right there for me as far as the tight ends go. I know you might not feel the same, but um, I think Mayer's going to be a much better NFL player as a whole. But I think Laporta might actually have the fantasy value over him, um, at least initially. I think. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because you figure Laporta gets drafted to a team that just took Jameer Gibbs twelve overall. You would assume that they probably intend on using his pass catching ability. Then you have Target Hog, Amon Ross St. Brown, who collects a lot of targets in the passing game, and they just spent a top 15 pick on Jamison Williams the year before. So now you're talking about yeah. three pass catchers ahead of Sam Laporta. So is Sam Laporta I, yeah. fourth fiddle in that offense? If that's the case, is that is that a fantasy option that we love necessarily at tight end? I'm I'm not entirely sure. They could have they could have different plans for the position. Um but I think Mayer walks into a situation to where he's the number two target in the passing game immediately. It looked like that the front office and and um, was GM Z- Ziegler, I think, for for uh, yeah. Oakland and then McDaniel's. They looked they looked very happy that that they traded up to get Michael Mayer. That they, they really they really wanted him, um, and I think he's going to be a big part of big part of their offense. Um, I don't think they yeah. envisioned when they traded Darren Waller that they were somehow going to back their way into getting Michael Mayer as their replacement tight end. No, that wasn't their plan. Um, I think they got a pleasant surprise there, um, and and good for them. I agree. He's definitely going to step into a large role. Um, I just don't have a lot of faith in Jimmy G. I know that people are okay with him, and he is a great game manager, but I don't think he's uh, – I mean, he did do okay in San Francisco, but we were looking at a lot of boom bust where he couldn't support multiple guys in one game where it was maybe one guy, one game, and then another guy, the next game. Um, it was never everyone in one game, you know? So it was like alternating between Kittle and Debo. Um, 
you know, having those, those boom games. Um, but maybe they'll surprise me. I don't know. All right. So we are pretty behind here. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we ended actually. Uh, we were looking at Sam Laporta at two twelve. Yeah. I think, I think we're pretty and, much at Jaden Reed there at the three Oh one. And if you want to, yep. if you want to wrap it up. So Jaden Reed at three Oh one Cedric Tillman at three Oh two, um, you know, two guys that, I don't know where I would actually, Oh, there's, there's a surprise pick there um, for me, but we'll catch up to that. It's actually on me right now. And I am at the four Oh five really just going for my guys right now. Um, There's a lot of good tight end value at the end here in the fourth. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go there. So, all right. Yeah. So we're talking Cedric Tillman, 302, Roshan at 303. Um, we have Chase Brown, 304. And then I went Luke Musgrave at 305, which, you know, another solid tight end option um, pretty late in your, in your drafts. I think he's kind of being undervalued in a lot of rookie drafts right now. Um, Izzy, the Twitter darling that maybe didn't get the best landing spot or DC that people really hoped for. Um, nobody really wanted him to, to land on the Jets with, you know, possibly a top three running back this year to share that backfield with. But I also think that he might have some solid early season value, especially if, you know, Brees isn't really coming back full full steam ahead and he might need some time to, to kind of gain that momentum back and get used to that, that injury. Um, it's not going to be any, no matter how much you train going to game speed with that type of injury, there's a lot of adjustment and there's, there's not going to be a, um, immediate jump into the role that he had. I think it's probably going to be a little babying and, and, and hoping that he eases into it. They're not going to just throw him um, 20, 20 carries a game. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's always the concern, right, with guys coming off the ACL that they're prone to potentially injuring something else in their leg because they're overcompensating for something, whether that's like a like a plant leg and then it leads to a hamstring or a calf or something along those lines, an ankle potentially. So, you know, Izzy will probably be everybody's DFS darling of like $4,000. Let me just throw this one out there, and he might have like 15 carries week one. Cool story for Izzy Abanacanda. He's from Abraham Lincoln High School in the Bronx, New York. So he goes home to his to his hometown team, the the New York Jets. Or he might have been a Giants fan, for being completely honest, for the time period that he grew up. But cool story yeah. nonetheless. Not great for dynasty value, but for NFL value, I'm just yeah, like, he could he could sneak up there. Yeah, it is fun. He's also only twenty two. So there's there's that that he's maybe the youngest prospect to come into the NFL this year. Um, I think I. Yep. I I might get a couple shares of him at that, at that value. Um, but we stopped at Izzy Keishan Butte. So that's another guy that I think is going to be rising up in, in draft boards. I don't know how you feel about the rise of him, you know, landing on the Patriots where they don't really have a true wide receiver. One um, is probably the best case scenario. The DC's not there, um, but I think he could probably carve out a decent role right away um, depending on how he looks in camp.
yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to keep up with with everything that's going on in the yeah. In, it in is chat, tough to do that right now. Um, we're we're talking. Ahead. You're oh no, we're not. I'm not reading up on this. Um, yeah, yeah so Kayshawn Butte. Yeah, um, I if you're if your concern with Kayshawn is that he's a knucklehead and he can't get out of his own way character wise. Um, I can't imagine a much better place for him to land in terms of he's going to be on strict scheduling. He's going to be a professional. They're going to take him under their wing. Bill O'Brien's an experienced play caller. However much we like to make fun of Bill O'Brien, the general manager, (laughs) he does have a lot of experience as a play caller and calling plays in the NFL and developing talent on the offensive side of the ball. And then you have Belichick, obviously, who doesn't play any games and expects everybody to just do their job. You know, that's that's what they do in New England. They do their job. So if Keishon Butte comes in with an open mind and hopefully maybe sixth round draft pick, maybe that kind of knocks some sense into him. Like, hey, just because you were good as a, as a freshman in the SEC doesn't mean that you're going to come into the NFL and everything's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. You got to work for it. Yeah, he can't go back to the transfer portal anymore. You know, he can't go back there and and hope, you know, for another year of production. So he is set in that landing spot, and um, he has nothing, I guess, to lose at this point. Um, but after Butte, we looked at my buddy, my guy, Zach Evans. Um, I don't know if I want to do a lot of analysis on that pick. I think I'm just going to skip over that, and oh, we're going to go on. right to. <laughs> A little bit of analysis, Zach Evans. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, in the Discord, we had a, um, I guess it it was a reverse mush, as I like to call it. I will make a call and I will say something negative, and I hope that it results in a positive. Um, so I said that I was going to leave Twitter and go to Facebook if Zach Evans was not drafted, um, and then shortly after he was drafted, and that was that. Um, so I, I like to say that I, I had a hand in that draft process and yeah, a decent landing spot. You know, I'm not, I'm not so sure that, you know, um, they love acres over there. There was a lot of, Oh, last year was very messy for him. He was gone for a little while and nobody really knew what was going on. Personal issues. Um, they seemed to really not want to use him, even when he was back on the team, he did show out a little bit at the end of the year. But um, I'm not going to say they have a great relationship over there. So, you know, Evans working in as the the running back too, um, I think is is a really good, you know, scenario for him. I think he he has that that skill set. Um, I just I'm hoping that they they use him in that way. You know, I hope he's just not a a backup guy that they're going to use here and there. Um, I think he has a good chance of of carving out a role there but maybe that's just my bias. Um. <laughs> Thank God you're not a Sean Tucker guy. Otherwise you'd be reading your, your aunt's new England clam chowder recipe come October. Cause you'd be on Facebook right now. Yeah, I know all that, those makeup pyramid schemes and whatnot. Yep. Um, yeah. Ray bands, uh, uh, three for $15 is like another, another Facebook, uh, Facebook ad campaign. Yeah. I do not want to go back there. I don't miss those times. Um, all right, well, that was Zach Evans at 308. We got Tank Dell at 309. Um, Tyler Scott, 310. Then Eric Gray 
at 311 by, you know, obviously Du Bois is going Eric Gray at 311. There's no question about that. Um, and then you went Michael Wilson. Yeah. Um, I love I love me some Michael Wilson. Yeah, I think I've had like three or four rookie drafts today, and I, I think I've left every one of them with Michael Wilson. And I think the reason why I like Michael Wilson so much at that price point is obviously his day two draft capital for a wide receiver. He's going to, at the very least, have Kyler Murray as his quarterback for the foreseeable future. And if the team actually is bad enough that they are picking number one overall in the draft next year, he very well could walk into Caleb Williams as a starting quarterback. And you know, yes. they have Hollywood Brown and they have Trey McBride. And who knows what that Houston Texans pick looks like that they traded when they acquired Will Anderson. If they bring in Marvin Harrison Jr., then sure, Michael Wilson's probably nothing. But at that point, when I'm investing – a late third round pick, maybe even an early fourth round pick and a guy that potentially could be on the field with a quarterback of that caliber, whether it be Kyler or Caleb Williams, I'll take the dart throw every time. And I really thought he Absolutely. had really good tape. I thought he had really good tape. He just, I did too. Has I like, I love him. Yeah. So if, you know, if he does stay on the field, I think he could definitely be an impact player. Um, and I do like that, that scenario. I think that's a very real scenario where Kyler sits out, majority if not all of the year and that pick becomes a top pick and and they might gun for Caleb Williams and Kyler might be on a new team next year that's um it's a juicy situation that uh I'm already trying to you know build build up in my head and and create um different avenues that I can go down and um yeah Mike Wilson is really um I think he's a great value there um but after that, we go into the fourth round, and we're looking at Stetson Bennett at 401, um, Xavier Hutchin at 402, Deuce at 403, Aiden O'Connell at 404. Um, interesting. I haven't seen him go off the board yet. Have you? I have not. I have not seen yeah. Aiden O'Connell go off the board. I, I, know he, uh, I know he got drafted to uh, the Raiders, which – you know, I have no idea what to make of their quarterback room outside of outside of <laughs> so I guess they yeah. did need a backup because I actually don't know who else was even on the roster. I don't. As, I don't either. Yeah, it's not so. Jared Stidham, right? Where's Stidham? No, he's, he's, he's with Denver. Yeah, so I have no idea who's over there right now. Um, all right, so after that um, went Luke Shoemaker. Um, it, to touch on him, I actually just made a gentleman's bet. Um, that Ferguson would be the starter over there, over him this year. What's your thought process on the tight end situation in Dallas? Uh, Although, I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with, you know, the draft of Ferguson, the draft capital shoemaker, and mm -hmm. if you watched any tape on him, I, I have, I'm very unfamiliar with shoemaker's game. I, so I need to, shoemaker is a Connecticut guy, so that's that's where I'm from. He played a ton of positions when he was in high school here. Then he goes to Michigan, and they kind of make him a tight end. Um, I know uh, Colston Loveland, the tight end at, at Michigan, the, the younger younger tight end, was a much more dynamic pass catcher for the team. Um, I think Shoemaker was more of the blocking, uh, traditional tight end. He's, he's got good size. I think Ferguson's probably a better pass catcher than Luke Shoemaker. Um, I know Kevin in this draft is a Cowboys fan. He didn't necessarily love the pick. Um, yeah. But in the fourth round, I mean, with second round draft capital, you would have to assume that 
they plan on using him on the field at some point during the year. So I yeah, have no the- preference as to what the Cowboys tight end room is going to be. <laughs> whoever's the cheapest, maybe I'll take like a, a dart throw on him at that point. But I, yeah, I, can't, I mean, I the, too much time. the Cowboys tight end has always produced in fantasy though. You know, I think that's something to monitor for sure. Um, I think they always favor that tight end spot. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely something that I'm gonna keep my eye on, but, um, after Shun, we are looking. I don't know if you want to take over because we I don't got have Evan Hole, Vince at the 406. Interesting, Evan Hole. It's been very split on him. People either love him or hate him. Um, I think he brings something completely different to the to the Colts' backfield that Jonathan Taylor doesn't necessarily provide. Evan Hole has a lot of experience in running routes, and he's very diverse in that aspect of his game. Um, Potentially could be maybe like a third down guy, um, kind yeah, of spell, like a spell Jonathan Taylor, like a Heinz. You know, they they loved you. That Heinz when JT was really balling out, he he definitely held a good amount of value as a pass catcher in that backfield. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he's got a good chance of maybe, like you said, third down work, and then you know getting that passing work in there as well, um, mixed in. I, I think he's I probably more talented than uh, Deion Jackson. So at the very least, you you might have Jonathan Taylor's handcuff, which yeah. seems like a, a valuable asset to have, and you get him in the fourth round essentially for free. Yeah, especially with JT's ankle injuries, and he's been really banged up um, the last, I guess, the last year. Um, so I don't know if that's going to stay with him. I, I doubt it will because JT's Superman. But um, yeah. Dwayne McBride at the 407. This seems like kind of a pick that you're making in anticipation that Dalvin Cook potentially is out of Minnesota. But if he isn't, I don't I don't know if Debo McBride is going to provide much for for your dynasty team other than just a deep stash. Yeah. Uh, 408. Chris Rodriguez. I know he went to what the commanders in the sixth round. Dude, that backfield is oh. <laughs> it's it's a backfield. It is the oh man, it's gross. Is that a word I can use about that backfield? It just makes me. I do not want to touch anything in that backfield. I am all set with any of those guys. Um, yeah, I and, think the one that has the most upside appeal is Gibson because he's more, he's the most versatile of the three. The other two are kind of just hammer plotter types. Potentially, Gibson can maybe get some receiving work if the enemy kind of gets a little more creative and not so stale like the Scott Turner offense, but I'm yeah I'm not optimistic either way. I've kind of sold all of the Antonio Gibson shares that I, I was unfortunate enough to roster at one point in time. I was trying to, but there was only that little tiny cell window of Brian Robbins, Robinson really, you know, that unfortunate situation with him where Gibson kind of boomed a little bit in usage, but you know, Robinson was maybe one of the most inefficient guys that I watched last year um, from game to game. So watching that and then seeing Gibson not get usage, um, I'm really hoping that the does change that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath there. You know, I am, I'm going to yeah, steer Brian, clear of that situation. Brian Robinson stinks. I mean, we just, we just stinks. Yeah, and you feel bad saying that because he had that, that unfortunate accident. Well, not accident, but you know, he got shot 
And you really don't want to talk bad about some guy that got shot. It's just the reality of the situation, you know? <laughs> Not so. talking about his character off of the field. Sure, he's a great guy yeah. outside of the 53 and a half yards between Absolutely. the lines. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm sure he is, but he just stinks. Yeah, it's, yeah it is what it is. Sean, Sean Tucker at 409. Um, I got to say, I, I know he had medical issues and, and stuff potentially with uh, – the heart or whatever it is that's going on with him. I was shocked to see him not get drafted. I but agree. Yeah. If you, if you remember all of the, the draft analysts and stuff that were coming out with big boards like Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Zerline, all of those guys had Sean Tucker much, much lower than the dynasty community in general had had him. A lot of people yeah. still kept him around like that RB five to like RB eight. Um, in their rankings and stuff. And it just never, it never seems like that he had any kind of steam whatsoever from the draft community outside of Twitter. Yeah. And that was the thing he was doing those personal videos and he was releasing them to his personal Twitter. And um, it was hyping me up. I'll be honest. I was, I was very hyped for Sean Tucker being a value in rookie drafts. You know, I didn't, I did not see him going undrafted. I thought he would get maybe, you know, day four, I, I, I thought he would slip into like the Zach Evans range or something, you know, um, I did not see that coming, but I don't dislike him latching on to the bucks. I think he's going to have a, a huge uphill battle, but a healthy Tucker is a better running back than Rashad white to me. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think he offers more as a RB one in that backfield than Rashad white does. Yeah, it's it's funny because if you look at Rashad White's, you know, passing game profile as a receiver out of the backfield, it's it's a pretty good profile for Rashad White. He's he's proven that he can be an exceptional pass catcher. Um, he was supremely inefficient as a runner uh, last yes. season. So, but if you look at Sean Tucker for the workload that he had at Syracuse, he was also fairly inefficient with his yes, with his I rushing know. attack workload. <laughs> so it's like you have two guys that their best asset potentially is their passing game utilization because Tucker has that burst. If you get him on the outside, maybe he can make a couple of people miss and hit the home run, which Rashad White doesn't necessarily have that same kind of burst and speed. Yep. But they're both just not very good runners in between the tackles or at least efficient runners in between the tackles. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I'm not sure how that's going to shake up as far as who's going to be running in between the tackles. Um, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see where they go and how that that just, you know, that, that training camp is probably something to monitor. Um, I think Tucker could, if he's healthy, could maybe be the one, the 1A to the 1B situation there. Um, and he's a great value in the fourth round. Um, if you can possibly get a borderline RB two, I want to say maybe, um, if he does get the work in there, um, in the fourth round, that's, that's incredible. I think he's worth the dart throw. He's like a boute where he could, you know, exceed the value immediately. Um, and you, you, you pretty much getting him for free at that point. Um, Def definitely worth the dart throw. Yeah. If you put any stock whatsoever into Jersey number changes, however, Rashad White this offseason has gone from number 29, which is a relatively gross running back number, to numero yes. uno. So, yeah, going from maybe the worst to the best. I agree. You know, that number that, one is going to look pretty, pretty sleek down there in the down there in Tampa Bay. So it, that might give him a little bit of swagger to get him the 
get him the starting job out of the gate. Um, yeah, the number changes is like stacking in fantasy football. Yeah, Lewis. Yeah. You know, it doesn't provide an incredible advantage, but damn it, it looks good. You know, you're like, man, that looks good. I love that stack. I love that number change, but it does nothing for me. Yeah. Ultimately, it's not going to add more points to my team, but it's good yeah. for the morale. You know, I agree. I hear it gets, you. It gets the people going. Trey Tucker at the 410. This was one of the bigger surprises for me that he went over his teammate Tyler Scott, uh, day two capital to, to the Raiders. Um, do you have anything on Trey Tucker? I is he's somebody that missed my whole process. I I watch a lot, a lot of film um in the early going of and I, I try to cover everyone that's probably gonna get taken. Um at least I, I really, you know, obviously get the first couple rounds in my head. Trey Tucker is someone that I did not watch at all. Um I am going back in in my, you know, in my off days and I'm I'm watching more film on these guys. Um, Trey Tucker, somebody that's available on a couple of my Debbie rosters. Um, so he's not even someone that was on the Debbie radar at this point. He's on the a wire of a couple of my Debbie, my Debbie teams. Um, I will probably try to scoop him up as long as we don't release this pod before everyone else listens to it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah I, I was just but, surprised because a lot of, a lot of the buzz coming out of the draft and the draft community in general was that, Tyler Scott was the guy in Cincinnati and the numbers kind of bore that out over this past season that Tyler Scott was uber efficient in the amount of targets that he did get. It seemed like more of like that deep threat uh, capability. And he was one of the odds on betting favorites to be the fastest skill player at the combine. And he, he ran a, a relatively fast 40. I think it was four, four, maybe it was like four. Yep. Yeah. He was, I think it was four. It was under four, four. So yeah, he did have a, a good number, good combine in general. And then he ended up going day three to Chicago. I don't believe he was even drafted in this mock AT Perry goes four eleven to Kevin. And then I finished it up with Brenton strange uh, four twelve. I don't particularly feel great about Brenton strange, but. Evan Ingram being on the franchise tag, not knowing what the situation is there in Jacksonville. They seem to have liked him enough to take him in round two of the NFL draft. So I'll take a flyer on him in the second round. I wasn't super impressed with the film um, yeah. to be honest, but it uh, it's, it's a dart throw at four twelve for a guy that potentially could end up being a starting tight end next season. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, if you're going to, go dart throw. I think tight end is your best bet. And also you just took all tight ends in this draft anyway. So um, you wanted to really keep that, keep that going, that orange line down uh, underneath your name. Um, I wanted to stick with the podcast colors, blue and orange. So I took one Michael Wilson that that was, you know, blue on sleeper and then the rest are orange. So yeah, heavy orange light on the blue. Is that, that's not, that's not an orange shirt, right? It no, it's red. red, but it's it does say red lighting in here. Yeah, it's red yeah. remembers. It's uh, it was for the 9 11 stuff in New York, so don't want to put yeah. the podcast down, really, but right on, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want to say right on after you say 9 11, it's probably not the best thing to respond with. We can edit it uh, out, edit it out, yeah, safe space. Yeah. We can edit, we got, yeah, we got to edit a lot of stuff out, I think, but we oh, did yeah. pretty good here. Um, yeah, let's get into personal rankings. Um, after kind of breaking that mock down, there are some guys that would have probably went a little earlier for me. 
yep. personally. Um, and then there's some guys that I would have not even drafted at all. Um, you know, I think there's, there's also guys that I think like you mentioned um, those decent fourth rounders that probably could have slid up there a little bit. Um, but I think we have similar rankings in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you did send me yours and I, I just posted mine today. Actually, if you follow me on Twitter um, and the discord as well, I did, you know, um, Vince V Pizzle is somebody that did all the graphics for those and did an excellent job. Um, I just wanted to give him a shout out on here as well. Um, but I'm going to kind of go through my rankings and then you just tell me um, where you kind of differ and then we can kind of go and, and compare and contrast and we'll talk about why you're higher on somebody or lower on somebody than I am. And um, sure. yeah. Um, so first round for me, not a lot of surprises. Um, we're going Bijan 101, um, Anthony Richardson 102. And this is something that I've debated in my head quite a lot, um, that if you are possibly not competing, I would only take Bijan to sell. You know, if you're in a rebuild squad, um, having Bijan on your team, he would net you a ton. Um, but I don't know if I would take him over Anthony Richardson. It's really a debate for me. And I don't know if how you feel about if you're not on a team that is going to go for the championship, you know, and we talked about the window of a running back where the window of a QB could be three times of that. Um, would you ever suggest taking Anthony Richardson over Bijan for somebody in that position? I don't think I can. Um, just because you want to draft the best player available, the best asset, whoever's going to give you the yep. most in return. And I think that's B. John Robinson. I think yep. you'd be doing a disservice to your team, especially if it is a rebuild, um, to take a lesser asset. Um, because even if nobody is going to pay for B. John Robinson today, May 1st at 9.45 p.m., uh, they will eventually. So even if they think that you have your back against the wall and uh, your team's crap, you're not going to compete, fine, just let Bijan die on your roster. Come week three, when Bijan Robinson has like 20 carries for 140 yards and two touchdowns, and these guys are looking around like, oh, I got DeAndre Swift as my RB1. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're gonna they're gonna want Bijan Robinson, and they're gonna. I feel like that's him. a personal that's a personal attack, man. I think you you know my rosters, and you you definitely <laughs> made that a jab at me. But all right, <laughs> no, no, no attack on DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Um, so say I have now that we have landing spots and we know where people are. If I have Anthony Richardson, what is the value for you between? Bijan and Anthony Richardson. So if I have Anthony Richardson and I come to you and I say, I want Bijan, what do I have to add on top of him to get Bijan? That's a good question. I don't, I think what, I think what most people would want to hear is like a, a mid second between one one and one two. I, I just don't, I don't think I could get behind that. Yeah. Uh, but I also think they're not a first in value uh, separation wise. So I guess an early second, but even then, I, I don't know if I would if I would want to pull the trigger on that. Like I would rather have a a much more safe asset if I'm trading Bijan Robinson than than an Anthony Richardson. So yeah, I think 
because I think you would want the 102. We are talking about about Anthony Richardson being possibly the most volatile 102 in yeah. recent memory. You know, somebody that could, you know, fall flat and maybe you know return zero value for you mm-hmm. um, somewhere down the line. Um, but he also could be the the best player of this draft value wise in two years time. So we don't really, you know, that's, that's the unknowns. We know what Bijan is. So that's, yeah. that's the sure thing right there. Um, but at my one Oh three, I have Bryce. Um, I do. will take him over um, Stroud pretty, pretty easily. He was my, my pre-draft, um, you know, QB one, actually I had, I had young above Richardson for a little while there. And then I adjusted my rankings a little bit, but um, I'm just going to take him in that spot in his skill set. I think it's just going to be in a better situation um, than Stroud. I think Stroud is, I can't believe they, they got rid of that first man. I don't know. You know, I, I like what they did, but I don't like giving up that first. Um, it puts them in a really tough position. Especially when they have Cleveland's first, you know, like yeah. they also have Cleveland's first. Are you telling me that trade wouldn't get done if you did if you offer them Cleveland's first? Exactly. Exactly. If their own first, I, I yeah. got that. Yeah, that's what I was saying to so many people. I was like, you have your first, and it's just like in Dynasty where you always keep your first because it controls your build. You can do what you want with that team with your first, but without it, you're kind of in a position that you need to win games. You know. You really can't take a lot of losses um, because, you know, if you just traded Caleb Williams or, you know, MHJ or somebody, um, it's not going to look great. But I re- I hope it works out for them. I just don't think that Stroud is going to have a better year than than Bryce. And I don't know if you're in that boat with me. I think you are, right? I, I am. Yeah, I, I, would ra- I would rather have Bryce than, than CJ Stroud. I just think the infrastructure – around Bryce is, is so much better in terms of the, the coaching staff and the roster and, you know, Carolina obviously got rid of DJ Moore and, and a few future picks of their own, but I just think he's set up so much better in terms of quarterback development. And he plays in a much easier conference than, than the AFC. So, I mean, it's a buzzsaw over in the, over in the AFC. It's it's tough. I know. Yeah. He's going to be, facing a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good defenses. Um, yeah, I think he's going to get banged up a little bit. He's going to take a lot of hits this year. But Stroud has that dog in him. I, I do like him, um, his fire and his, you know, he's got it in his belly. And I think it's, you know, he's got a heart too. So he's got the good personality, and I, I think he's going to – I think he can do it. If We'll see. He's going to need it. He yeah. Need, he need every ounce of that dog. I'm, <laughs> I'm just really trying to juice him up a little bit. Maybe he's listening at some it's, point. I don't know. It's tough because we've seen – there's relatively no draft in the history of the NFL that multiple quarterbacks get taken in the top five and all of them hit. You know, yeah, like it, it doesn't happen. Inevitably, no. one of them is going to bust. And if you're looking around, who's in the worst situation out of this quarterback class, it's the most likely to bust out of these three guys. Yes. Unfortunately, it is CJ Stroud. Yeah. Just the fact yeah, that so it's nothing against think, him, you know, as a person. We're in the same boat. I do have Stroud above Gibbs. You have really talked me into probably not doing that in drafts. Um, you and I did talk in pretty, pretty detail, pretty much, 
you know, for about 45 minutes yesterday, I think, um, about Gibbs versus Stroud and, you know, where we would go given that situation. And, um, yeah, I think I'm going Gibbs over Stroud in, in all my rookie drafts. Um, cause we did mention the Najee and fields situation where you could have traded Najee for fields in a, in a early first, you know, he yep. was viewed as an RB one. Um, he was taken everywhere in the first round. So that's going to be the situation with Gibbs too, with that DC, he's going to be looking at insane value. Um, yeah probably going to be up there with Bijan as far as what he's going to net. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I wrote a, I wrote a Substack article. Um, it's pinned to my, my, my Twitter page right now that you can read. I, I wrote about uh, drafting between Jameer Gibbs and CJ Stroud, regardless of builds, super flex, tight end premium. So you want to give it a read? You can, we already kind of covered it at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the podcast. So we don't have to waste too much more time on it. <laughs> Um, but after Gibbs, we're going JSN. Um, and then this is somewhere where we might not agree. I think you might have QJ above Addison where I have Addison above QJ. Um, so Addison is my one Oh seven QJ is my one Oh eight. Um, I don't have a lot of conviction on that. Addison is someone that I think has a safer floor. So I, he's someone that I think will, you know, at least provide that floor where I think QJ will be. Uh, maybe boom or bust for a little while. Um, you know, but I think he does have the highest ceiling of those two by far. I agree with that. I agree with all of that. Um, you know, and then if you look at QJ, the reason why I have QJ above Addison is because I had QJ as my wide receiver too throughout the entire process. He got first round draft capital. He is now tied to an elite quarterback, your boy, Justin Herbert. Um, and he has wide receivers that, I mean, Mike Williams, they have a year left on this deal before they could get out on it. Keenan Allen's 32 years old and his hamstrings are made out of paper. Um, <laughs> I think he very well. And then what his, his next best competition is Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett. And they got yeah. out of the backfield too. But if we're talking just purely receiving options, Quentin Johnson is a very clear path to being a wide receiver one with, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't have that path because he plays with the best receiver in the NFL. He does, but I can also play devil's advocate in the sense that I think, you know, JJ is going to help him um, get those open looks where he's going to be working out of the slot and getting that, that middle of the field, um, you know, where they're stretched with Hawk is probably going to work on the other side. And I think there's a good situation where he's going to become a, I wanted to say Olave of this class where he's going to get all those targets. Um, it's going to be tough because I think they are going to have to feed Hawk. They're going to have to feed JJ. Um, but with that being said, I think he actually benefits from being with JJ uh, more than it hurts him. But yeah, I guess you saw, you saw it with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. I mean, both of them were top 10 wide receivers this year. So it happens. You know, Jordan Addison, I think, is probably in the best situation possible out out of the out of these guys in terms of you know what his floor is going to be yeah Um, so and you know that they're going to throw the ball a lot you know that he's not going to face the best coverage because it's going to go to justin jefferson and then second best coverage might go to tj hawkinson so you might be looking at a lot of one-on-one opportunities for jordan addison i think he's a pretty safe bet to be at least 10 points per game this season as a rookie 
Yeah, because, I mean, the ghost of Adam Thielen got a really good target share percentage last year, mm-hmm. um, even with, you know, Hawk there for most of the year and then um, J.J. having a insane year. Um, Thielen still saw his. So um, even if he sees that target share, I think that's there's going to be a, a pretty decent um, floor for fantasy. Yep. But, um, all right, so after that, I did put Zay Flowers at 109, Kincaid at 110. Um, and then our boy, a chain at 111, and then I went Charbonnet at 112. I don't know how those guys fall for you. Um, yep. If that Same order. Good. I I have Mayer ahead of ahead of Charbonnet in yep. round one, but you know, by and large, it's I think it's pretty clear cut at that point between one 101 to 110 in some order. It's the first 10 that you listed. And then you could probably make an argument between A Chain, Mayer, Charbonnet for that 111 to 201. I wouldn't feel strongly in either direction. I personally will have Devon A Chain 111. Yep. Um, but I can't I can't fault anybody for wanting to put a six foot, 215 pound running back with round two capital or a tight end going to a offense that he's the number two target in with top 35 capital ahead of him. So yeah, that's where I'll yeah, get so it. It's pretty chalky. Everyone was saying um, the end of the first is tough and they're, you know, they're going to trade out of the first and this and that. And after the one Oh eight, you know, it's just you trade for 24 picks. Like everyone says every year, but um, I, I love it. I love the tight end value that you're going to get at the end of the first a chain, you know, even Charbonnet with that bad landing spot. Um, I think he's great value, um, for what the, the Seattle Seahawks are going to be doing this year. Cause they're going for that championship. Um, and I think he's going to be one uh, a, um, he's going to be that between the tackles runner, um, for, for them. Um, I think they're probably going to, I think both have pretty decent value, but between him and Walker, um, so I don't know if you feel that same way, but I, I, I do still like him. I'm still in on sharp. I'm still like, I, I, he was my RB two throughout the process. So I, I love Zach Charbonnet as a talent, um, crap landing spot, obviously. Yeah. And you would have loved to see him go to a team that maybe had an aging running back or a team that needed a running back. Um, there's not a lot of teams that did need a running back through this cycle. So we were just, we were just hoping for, the least amount of competition possible. Yeah. But Charbonnet, so I, I I got a buddy on Twitter, ZWK Football. He does a lot of good analytics-based stuff. And he he posted the Maurice Jones-Drew, Fred Taylor uh, situation with Maurice Jones-Drew, another uh, another guy that's uh, yeah. brewing as well, right? Maurice Jones-Drew? Or am I- he was. Uh, actually, I don't know. I think he was, but – Man, that was when I was first getting into fantasy was Maurice Jones-Drew was a monster. And, yeah. you know, that little hamster ball, he was um, – I loved I loved Jones-Drew um, as far as fantasy goes. He was definitely – he carried me to a lot of championships. Um, and, yeah, that, that could be a situation. I think that that offense is going to hum, you know, with JSN added to that team. I think they're really going to be – um, I think go buy Gino is what I'm trying to say to you guys. Go buy Gino before um, they start the season. Maybe he's still on the cheap. 
I'm not sure if he is, but maybe was, people haven't caught on to it. He was a Bruin, by the way, and I'm sorry that's a boo-boo word for you up there in in, in the Boston area. I we almost made it. We're actually at at the hour, and we almost made it to the end without the Bruin. But I knew that that's what you were setting us up for, and I, I was trying to avoid it. I was just no. I was moving on to Gino, and you were still on the Bruin, but. I just wanted to reconfirm that Maurice Jones-Drew did, in fact, go to UCLA, and he was a Bruin. That's why you did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, that was I, – I think we did. I love that. Yeah. Um, why don't we uh, we kind of go through, and I want you to just tell everyone where to find you and um, exactly what you've been working on. And, um, you know, I know you just mentioned that article and stuff, but um, – and, and you are – starting your own pod. So just kind of, you know, tell the people what exactly you're doing out there. Yeah. I mean, you can find me on Twitter at JCJ dynasty. I'll be popping into the DGen discord a little bit more. I'm, I'm not the best with the interface of discord in general. I'm not a big gamer. I know that's kind of where it, it kicked off. Um, not really my forte. I'm more of like a strictly football. And if I'm not talking football, I'm probably reading some historical context journal article something super boring that nobody really knows. <laughs> um, but uh that's my twitter i got a sub stack that i'm going to be posting my articles on weekly do different rankings different dynasty game theory stuff uh some debbie rankings hopefully i'll be coming out with uh in the next month or so once i kind of can dive into the Devi stuff because we've been doing a lot of NFL draft stuff. So I'll be excited to get into, into that class a little bit more, but that's all I got working right now. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you can find me at nerd boy takes on Twitter. Um, I did mention that I just released my rankings. Um, I am going to be on dynasty after dark tomorrow where you can, you can listen to me and we're going to be talking almost the same exact thing. We just talked now. I think it's going to be a lot of rookie content that we're going to smash you over the head with for the next couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks. I'm hoping that we, we just end it. Um, I know that JC is sick of talking rookies. I'm, pretty sick and rookies. I feel like we've been talking about this class for five years now. Um, ultimately I feel like this has been the longest off season, but it's been really fun. Um, and, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And this is dynasty Degen's podcast. Thank you.